Welcome to the Think Kingdom Church Podcast. I am Marcus Looney, the creative arts director here at Think Kingdom. We want to welcome you to the season finale of our series, Advent Unwrapped. Let's go ahead and see what God's word has for us with our lead pastor, Anton Lasseter. This is our final series, Unwrapped. Our finest, hold up. Our final sermon in our series, Unwrapped, and I'm going to talk about love, because what the world needs now, that's a secular song, and I can't believe you guys know it. It's actually in my notes, because I figured that you would not know this song. Um, So we're going to talk about love, but here's the problem with love. Love is such an overused word. Uh, a poet, a, uh, a poet, a writer, an author um, says uh, he refers to love like a fat kid loving cake. And so sometimes what happens when we talk about love, we so overuse it, we minimize its power. It's like, I love chocolate. I love my wife. I love my dog, Anakin. I love my kids. I love. And so we have to be careful that we don't diminish, diminish love and make it so common that it loses its power. So I give an example. So when we say, you heard me say this before, when we say God is like a father, if your point of reference, if you don't have a healthy, loving, godly father, then you may look at God as a father as a bad thing. And so sometimes context um, uh, is very important, especially when you're trying to define terms. So when we say love, oftentimes you will hear others say, hey, I fell in love. And then two years later, I fell out of love. And so there's a conflict, like if you truly love someone, can you really fall out of love with them? Or does the love take a different form? And so um, love isn't just a feeling. It's an action. And so uh, we love our children in spite of how they act at times. So love, the parents like, amen, reverend. But, But it's love. So love is simple but can be complex. Because sometimes I, that we have a tendency to love based on what the other person is willing to do. So I love with conditions. But is that love? So we often talk, I often preach about the love of God because it's hard for me to really understand why he loves me the way he does, because I know me. So I try to constantly remind us of the love of God. And so we have a mad shout out to Jael and Josias. They've had, uh, Aniko was born at 6.03 a.m. this morning. So obviously you can't have labor and come to church. So uh, we want to send their prayers. They're healthy. Um, send prayers to uh, Darcy and Tim. I don't know what number of grandchild this is, but it's a, it's a great thing. And so we're going to send prayers to them. But even with a mother loving a child, it's only a glimpse of how much God loves you. Just a glimpse. And so 
let's redefine love. Now, I've done several weddings, and, and every, every wedding I go to, somebody reads 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. But that love is not just for husband and wife. So let's, read, let's define love first. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verse 4 through 7. Love is patient. Uh-oh. All of us just disqualified. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Is not boastful. Is not arrogant. Is not rude. Is not self-seeking. Is not irritable. And does not keep a record of wrongs. <clears throat> Stop keeping score. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. You mean when you gossip, you smile, and it's just so good to you? But the scripture says love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Mm. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never gives up. It cares more for others than for itself. Mad shout out to those who helped pass out food for the last 12 to 15 weeks. Shout out to those who volunteered and helped us pass out toys um, for the last two weeks. This is our way of demonstrating love. But this type of love pales in comparison to how much God loves us. I'm going somewhere. Uh, love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a big head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always about me as it relates to you. Um, it it's, isn't always about being first. Love doesn't fly off the handle when it doesn't get its way. That's hard. It's hard, Reverend. Uh, love uh, takes pleasure in truth, not gossip. It always looks for the best. That's love. It never looks back, but keeps going to the end. I just have one point, and we're done. Jesus is love. I know it's not a powerful, I know it's not uh, one of those tweetables that, no, but it's as simple as this. Jesus is love. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to spend about four or five minutes. Um, no, I'm going to spend a couple minutes on a point, but these are not my points. But this shows that Jesus alone embodies love. So if you want to know what love is, um, husband and wife, children, if you want to know what love is, come check out Jesus. Jesus is love. So we're talking about the coming Advent. The season of Advent simply means that uh, that. He arrived in Bethlehem. He was a baby, and he had uh, an earthly father, adoptive father named Joseph, and the story of, of, of Christmas, absolutely. But Jesus has been here at the beginning. So in the beginning, John, in, in, in the book of John, John says, in the beginning was the word referring to Jesus. So Jesus has always been here, but Jesus embodies love. Jesus says, John chapter 10, verse 11. And we're going to, Jesus describes himself. Jesus, everybody say, Jesus is love. Jesus says in uh, John chapter 10, verses 11, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for his, for the sheep. Now, if, if when Jesus originally said this, the people had a context. Uh, how many of us are shepherds? Okay, so let me just break down the importance of a shepherd. A shepherd is dedicated to sheep both professionally, that's, how, that's their livelihood, and personally. You become attached to your sheep. Uh, a good shepherd cares for a sheep. He finds pastures uh, that, that, are, that are lush and green. He, lied, he, he leads them behind um, near the still waters, as David said. In other words, um, the, 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 the shepherd cares not only for the sheep, but he cares what he eats, and he wants them to be nutritious, and he wants them to, to be able to um, provide and be healthy. He anoints their wounds with oil to foster healing. So when the sheep gets injured, the shepherd anoints their wounds to keep out infections. And so this is a shepherd. The shepherd also protects the sheep from the different elements. And so uh, he also protects the sheep from predators. There's nothing worse than a sheep in the jaws of a predator. And that could mean death. And so the shepherd's job is to protect the sheep from predators. The shepherd's job is to actually know his sheep. He nicknames them and he knows their habits. Yeah, what or what is your nickname when it comes to God? What does he say about sweet? What does he say about Tony? So the good shepherd actually knows his sheep. The good shepherd, he watches over them. He leads his sheep and he goes before him. And then the good shepherd is always close. But I'm sorry um, that a shepherd in general Nothing special about the last thing that I said about uh, the last few characteristics of a shepherd that doesn't make them good or bad. That's what a shepherd does. You can actually hire a shepherd to do all those things. You can hire a shepherd to care for the sheep. You can hire a shepherd to protect the sheep. You can hire a shepherd to know the sheep. He can count and say, okay, I have 100 sheep, blah, blah, blah. But that's just a hireling. What makes Jesus a good sheep is what he says, I lay down my life. That's different. When God, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, he's saying, I go beyond your experience. I go beyond these fleshly relationships that you have. I actually lay down my life for the sheep, and that's what makes him good. The good shepherd left glory and chose death, showing how much he loves us. He laid down his life. I want to celebrate his birth, but I'm in this tension because his birth, although beautiful, was not his purpose. It's his death and resurrection that means more to us than his birth. I'm going somewhere. I'll be there in a minute. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew. Matthew links uh, Jesus' life to the Old Testament promises. Simply put, Matthew uh, declares that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises that's found in the Old Testament. So Matthew links this about 43 times. So I want you to see, ah, this is so crazy to me. I'm having a moment. Y'all bear with me. God is with us. 
in the garden, God was so close that the, the, the writer described him as uh, uh, walking in the cool of the evening. That's how close God was. Adam and Eve, their sin separated them from God, but he was never far from his people. How do you know, Reverend? Let's talk, about, let's talk about the Exodus. Out of Egypt, he went before them at a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so although sin scarred our relationship with God, he never gave up on us. Here you have the creator of the world become as one of the created, walking among us, laughing, crying, sleeping, eating, resting. The creator, the God of the universe wants to be in relationship with the people he created. And so, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. Man, I want you guys to see that no matter what your present condition is, and we face, some of us facing some crazy stuff, he with you. Man, if I was in the Pentecostal church, I got a bunch of amens right there. But y'all are learned. He set aside his glory. Man, that's love. The humiliation of Christ in his incarnation and crucifixion. Philippians uh, chapter 2 verse 5 uh, says, Paul reminds us to think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Listen, he had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges and entered into our mess, becoming a slave, becoming a human. Having become human, he stayed human. My grandmother used to say, uh, let me put the cookies where the kids can find them. What I'm saying is that the God of the universe saw the mess that we created and said, I got this. Okay. Jesus gave up the glories of heaven to come to earth to live with messy, ungrateful people. He never gave up on you. Many of us, our faith is like this. Some have walked away from you because you're all over the place. And God looks at you and says, that's my girl. That's my son. And the whole church should have said amen, but I'm going to preach to myself. Son of man, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even a son of man did not come to be served, <laughs> but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When speaking of himself, Jesus used this title more than any other. The Lord of the universe scoops down to be the lover of the lost. 
There's a lot to unpack in these words, and uh, I, I implore you to check out Daniel chapter 7. I really don't have time to go into the full breadth and depth of that. But, uh, but when he says, I am, uh, I am the son of man, he is, he's going way, way back that he existed before the manger. He existed before the shepherds showed up. He existed before the wise men visited, before Abraham he was. So he is literally saying, I come to serve the one who rejects me. Yeah. He's a man, he's the son of man who will rule in righteousness forever. Isaiah 53 and 3. Man, we're talking about love. Isaiah 53 and 3. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Now, I want you to check out Jesus This is Jesus. Jesus is love. He embodies love. This is love displayed. He's a man of sorrows and friends with suffering for us. So my wife would tell you, I try at all costs to avoid pain. I can't stand it. A toothache knocks me out for at least six months. I can't stand it. I can't. I hate pain. I try to avoid it at all costs. Jesus sees pain and goes right through that door. The suffering that he had to endure. So it gets hard. It gets hard. It rains. It gets hard. And we either stop, slow down, or turn around. Jesus just keeps walking. Matthew 20, and and this is real sorrow. Matthew 26 and 38, Jesus looks to his disciples. You know what he tells his disciples? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We see him pleading with the Father about, uh, pleading with the Father in the garden that if it's possible, take this cup from me. But Hebrews 12 and 2 reminds us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, for Jesus, there wasn't a plan B. Man, only Jesus could secure our salvation, and he accepted the path laid before him. You're going to come into your own people. They're going to reject you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to walk away from you. They're going to betray. Do you still want to do this? Yes. That's what Jesus did. So I want you to see also the humanity of Jesus that he walked for 33 years. He was cut off at his prime. He's on the cross and sees his, his earthly mother. He sees Mary and says, woman, behold your son, referring to John. John, behold your mother. You got to take care of each other because I got to go. This is the Jesus that we're celebrating his birth. We cannot fully understand his birth if we don't understand his purpose. He's the oldest son. And Jesus had the, the fortitude and the know-us-all to get his house in order before he goes. That is a loving God. Jesus 
literally says, behold your mother. You know what, Jesus? I, I posed this question uh, just as a, as a point of reference. I said, hey, if you only had uh, 24 hours to live, what would you do? And people were like, man, you know what? <laughs> man, 24 hours, I probably try to visit as many people as I can. Man, I try to do blah, blah, blah. You know what Jesus did? He washed somebody's feet. Jesus came not to, to be served, but to serve. He lived his life on mission. So I think Jesus was probably a kid that nobody wanted to hang around with because he was always on purpose. I can imagine Jesus just changing the subject. Hey, they're playing. He's like, you know I ain't got much time. It's just Antoine. It's not true. The last thing is John chapter 1. Verse 29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sin requires punishment and atonement. And so God instituted a sacrifice to satisfy his righteous wrath. Oftentimes when we speak about the love of God, we fail to mention the wrath of God. That God is holy. And sin cannot go unpunished. Most of us have the characteristic of justice because we recognize that with justice, something, someone has to pay, right? And someone needs to recompense. Someone needs to be, in other words, we have a view of justice because we serve a just God. But how come when we serve a just God, we believe in the demonstration of our behavior that we don't deserve justice? So Jesus, so this is the institution of sacrifice, what he sacrificed. So remember, in the, in, in the garden, the Spirit of God is walking through the garden. They're hiding. He calls out, Adam, where are you? Adam said, hey, <laughs> the woman you gave me, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. The woman you gave me, like, she, man, we done messed up, and then we naked. We heard your voice, and now we naked. He says, who told you you were naked? Sin has a way of bringing shame and guilt. But remember, this is what God did. God slaughtered an animal to clothe Adam and Eve, covering them and their sins at the animal's expense. So when God tested Abraham's love, he said, hey, uh, bring up Isaac. I'm going to sacrifice. Abraham looks to Isaac and says, the Lord will provide. We get the whole saying, the ram in the bush, because God showed provision. So he took the wrath out on the animal. One of the plagues, the last plague, uh, was to kill the firstborn son. But God protected um, his people by instructing them to kill a lamb and spread the blood on the doorpost. And so back in the day, the old saints would say, plead the blood, plead the blood, because in Exodus chapter 12, the blood will be a sign. And then, and so the Lord says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I will pass over you. So now fast forward, Jesus comes, he's a lamb of God. And when we have faith in him, and so no, now God still is just, he's still holy, there's a, there's a righteous wrath that he has, but when he sees our heart, when he sees that we have accepted Christ into our lives, then there's blood over our hearts and he passes over us and that gives us access to God. So when Jesus says, I am the Lamb of God, he's literally saying, I am the sacrifice that's required to settle this once and for all.
That is the gospel. And so when Jesus says, I am the Lamb of God, I want us to celebrate the birth and the culture and all the... Give your kids gifts. Yes, yes, yes. All those are great acts. But if you don't understand the importance of his birth, his sinless life, and his death and his resurrection, I, as a pastor, have failed you. Because Jesus is not only the reason for the season, Jesus is the reason. Period. Period. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm Emmanuel. I'm the son of man. I'm a man of sorrows. I'm the lamb of God. There's all the ways that God shows his love for us. Love isn't just a feeling or emotion. Love is a verb. It's what you do. More than a noun, how you feel. For, for us, it's difficult to fully grasp what love is. John tried to explain God's love for us in his letters because John knew, just didn't know about Jesus spiritually, about who he was, but he also knew him personally. So he was there to experience firsthand the love of our Savior. How even though Jesus loved a, uh, lived a short life, he always had time for people. That even though Jesus, uh, <clears throat> Jesus was still focused on the goal of pleasing the Father, he still washed the feet of those who were going to betray him. Although Jesus uh, knew that he had to carry this cross and this was the path that even when the Roman soldiers were mocking and spitting on him, he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I, I and you have a tendency to not forget when people hurt us. And we say things like, look, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So what we're saying is, I'm watching you, but Jesus' attitude is completely different. So all of us have a version of this love that God has placed in us through his son. But the infinite love of God for man is difficult to comprehend. But love can be expressed if we allow Jesus to be our example, because God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. He showed his love for us by sending his son to atone for our sins. And during his life on earth, Jesus was the example of love. He showed compassion and mercy for those who needed it and offered forgiveness to those who asked for it. He also explained the standard of love we are to share with others simply saying, love your neighbor, love yourself. So I'm going to end my message by simply reading 1 John 4, verse 7 through 21. Because we can't talk about the love of God without God giving us an example on how to do it. 1 John 4. Verse 7 through 21. This is John when he self-described the disciple that Jesus loved. Dear friends, you want, before I read it, 
If you want to embody the hope, the peace, the preparation, the joy, finally the love that this season through Christ can bring, I really want you to breathe in these, these words and, and let it resonate. This week, just rehearse these words. Just read it out loud and, and really embrace. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. One who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us. His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the, this world. Those who experience in fear, listen, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. Anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. But the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We have this command from him. One who loves God must also love his brother and sister. I told you I only have one point. Not a fancy message. Not trying to entertain you with eloquence of speech. As hard as 2020 has been, just a simple three-word reminder. Man, Jesus is love. You want to know love, you got to know them. That's Advent. That not a form of love has come, but the complete package of what we are yearning and, and longing for has come. And 
He has come in the person, the works of Jesus the Christ, the Savior of the world. So I want you to give your kids gifts for Christmas. But the greatest gift that you can give not only your children, but each other, is to talk about the one we celebrate. And Pastor Antoine finishing Advent Unwrapped. Last week was joy, and this week, it's simply love. Jesus is love. If you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And that'll wrap up the Think Kingdom Church podcast for 2020. And we want to thank you again for walking with us through this year. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this full series, and more from this roller coaster of a year right here on the Think Kingdom Church podcast. May God continue to bless your walk.